Good morning again, family. I heard those online. I didn't hear you in the room. Good morning. All right, that's better. I like that. I like that. On our Sunday, just before we celebrate the birth of our King, thank you for for being here today. We'll be in the Gospel of Mark. This will be the last in the chapter uh, chapter 10. If you would turn there with me and your copy of God's Word will be in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Earlier this year, um, we had the unfortunate uh, ability to witness a murder on camera. I'm talking about the murder of George Floyd that took place earlier this year. Um, there was a lot of things that came out of that um, at the hands of a police officer. Um, we don't need to go into the story and, and how that all unfolded. Um, we know that it precipitated into various uh, discussions and protests, feelings of angst and worry, self-righteousness, you name it. Um, this, this story, this, this uh, action conjured up a lot of things that were going on at the time. And it really just compounded everything that is going on for us in 2020 in this year that has just been nuts, has just been crazy. So while the murder of George Floyd um, is difficult to handle, is difficult to take, I personally was very affected by it. It, it felt different than, than a lot of other things that, that we tend to see. But in addition to the murder of somebody that is created in the image of God, what really floored me is that the, the way we were able to see this is because there were innocent bystanders that were recording it on their cell phone. I never thought that there would be a day where it would be so easy to see someone's life taken. You know, before cell phones, right, I mean, if something was happening around you, that would be the only place that you would see it or you would be in the, the hospital with a loved one and, and, and see their life leave their body. But we live in a day and age where unfortunately because of the, the devices that we have and we carry around with us, that these things become more and more apparent. And there was a couple of things that really bothered me about it. One is uh, the, the aftermath of it because it was posted on all the news uh, agencies. It was uh, so on television, online, you can, you can see the murder of this individual, but also um, through social media and everything. My, my problem and the things that I struggle with is, is I hope that we don't become desensitized to this, that we remember that that was an actual person and, and say what you will about this particular event and, and how his life was taken, that's one thing. But us as, as a viewer watching this, we have to remember that that person is made in the image of God. They are a human being and they're having their life taken. And But yet we're, we're looking at it on social media and some of us watched it over and over and we shared it and shared it and it's gotten all over the world that this, this murder... And that, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that tremendously. But the day and the age that we live in today, we have this spectator mentality. 
there was discussion about the, the people that video recorded this on their phone. And it, well, why didn't they do anything? How could they idly stand by and record this murder and not do anything? But this is the mentality that we have these days. There's been other videos that have been posted on social media and, and elsewhere where different atrocities take place. Uh, there, there, there was a, a, a time where it was uh, kind of like a challenge where people would go and find homeless people and they would uh, record each other beating up these homeless people. Why would you do that? Why is this a game? This is a real person. But we have this spent spectator mentality. And we have these crowds around us. I don't know, it, it, it might, I think it's different from when I was in school, but when I was in school and you knew somebody, uh, they were gonna fight after school. Why was it always after school? Like you can't fight during lunch or, but they would, they would, the animosity would grow up and they're like, I'm gonna see you after school. We're gonna meet by, by the, uh, the, the courts over there and we're, we're gonna fight this out. What would happen? They would get around the school and like, oh, did you hear such and such? Oh, they're going to fight. They're going to have it out. You hear what happened? Oh, we're going to be there. Let's go right after school. I'm going to miss my bus, but I'm going to be there. And the two people, would, it, well, it depends on if they want to put their money where their mouth is, but the two people would get together. They would gather at the, the appointed place, and this crowd would gather around to watch, to be a witness but it's gotten so much worse here in this, this social media era where we have just gotten together and have this mob type mentality. We'll look at something similar here in our text this morning in Mark chapter 10, verses uh, 46 through 52. If you turn there with me in your copy, here God's word reads, starting in verse six of verse 46 of chapter 10. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples the great crowd, and the great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting at the roadside. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, he, he began to cry out, say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called to the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Would you all join me in prayer at this time? My Lord, my Savior, thank you for being who you are for us. Father, as we open your text here today, would you speak to us through it? Show us uh, this, this, how this happened here in the story that we're reading about and help us to see the impact of it, not just for those in that day, but the impact for us here at this very moment. Father God, teach us and show us 
how you would have us to be. As I stand before you, Father, give me the words to say and how to say them. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer, whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. So a moment ago I described how we've taken on this mob or herd mentality. Is this a familiar term to to you guys? You've heard of this mob mentality? This, this particular phenomenon it describes how people are influenced by their peers and how they adopt various behaviors. And this plays out in, in what we buy. It plays out in the trends that we see. And, and it plays out actually also in the point of view that we carry. As much as people like to think that they're a free thinker and they're alone and they're thinking for for themselves, as much as you'd like to think that, the reality is that we're molded by people or the crowds. We're molded by the crowds around us. And this impacts our culture. It impacts our politics. It impacts the stock market. Everything around, it has an impact by the crowd. So Bartimaeus here, we have this, he's poor, he's blind, and people know him as a beggar. He's supremely affected by this mob mentality. The name Bartimaeus, it it, it literally means son of honor. But up to that point, he received no honor. He received no respect. He was marginalized. He was sidelined. Nobody noticed this particular guy and just walked by him every day and night. He was known as the blind beggar. That was his identity. He was subhuman, and he begged just to survive. There was nothing he could do. He couldn't really go out and get a a job because of his uh, uh, blindness. But there are a few people maybe that threw him a couple of dollars. You kind of know how it is. I got some pocket change and I can give that to you. And so that's how Bartimaeus got by. If you look at verse 46, we find Jesus' disciples in the crowd. They're on the way to Jerusalem and it says they had came to Jericho. And as he was leaving to Jericho, his disciples and, uh, and the great crowd, they see Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus. This is specific now. Uh, as we read through this, we, we can even uh, treat Bartimaeus like the crowd was treating him at the time. When we read through this, we can read through really fast. It's like, okay, yeah, it was this guy named Bartimaeus, whatever. If I can't really pronounce it, so I'm just going to jump over his name altogether. And, but he was there. But he was a real, actual person. This is not a uh, a parable of any sort is important. It's important enough that, that, that God spoke these words and, 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 and had them here for Mark to write down and to tell us his name. Not only his name, but he was the son of Timaeus. He's got a family. Boy, how e- even just in the reading of this, how easy it is just to skip over this. Uh, this is not important. I'm not going to remember it. I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to remember it. So, but this is an actual real person. His name was Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. And he was blind. He was a beggar. That is all important, not only in the study, but but, but how uh, everything that comes after this and what that means. So here we have the disciples still playing bodyguard 
to Jesus. As uh, verse 47, it goes out and we see Bartimaeus, he's, he, he hears about uh, Jesus is in the vicinity. He can't see, he doesn't know what's going on, but remember this, these crowds around there, they're getting excited because Jesus has come. And he hears like, whoa, you say, Jesus, what's going on? What's happening? I mean, Jesus of Nazareth? He's heard the stories as well, all the miracles that are taking place. And he screams, he begins to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Despite him being stepped over, uh, mis mistreated and, and, and not looked after, Bartimaeus, he persevered and his faith is soon rewarded. In verse 48, it says the crowd, the many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. They're walking by. He starts to cry out. And the crowd says, shut up. Shh, be quiet. It's Jesus. He doesn't want to hear about you. Why, why are you calling out? Just be quiet. Just get in your corner. Don't worry about what's going on. Jesus is here. You're embarrassing us. He doesn't have time for you. Be quiet. This address as the son of David is not only a statement about genealogy, but also speaks about the coming of the descendant of David who will rule over the nation. This is the, the messianic title based on the Old Testament verses like Jeremiah 25. If, if remember, as we're about to celebrate the birth of our Savior, we've got to remember that this was talked about way before the time came. This was in anticipation of what was yet to come. And as we're reading here in the text, this was the fulfillment of these verses. In Jeremiah 25 and 5, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. This is what people were waiting for. They were excited about it. And they said, this is man named Jesus. I, he, from the line of David, he's finally come. This blind man acknowledges his helplessness in the moment. He's, I, I, nobody will help me. Nobody will listen to me. But man, this, this Jesus, I pray he is the man that we've been reading about, that the prophets have foretold about. And if, if this is true, then this is the man that can help me in my weakness and my help, helplessness. He can't give himself sight. He can't make himself healthy. He is totally and completely dependent on others. And unashamedly, he speaks out. He cries out. He yells out. And he calls to Jesus and begs for his mercy. Man, what an example it is for us today. Unashamedly. Now, he was the lowest of the low there, and the crowd is physically telling them to shut up and be quiet. But he's like, I don't care what you guys say. This is the Jesus of Nazareth. This is the son of David. If anybody can do something, it is him. And I don't care who hears me. I don't care what you say. I don't care who is around. I'm going to follow this man. 
Man, what a lesson that is for us today. How we're ashamed to even say, oh, when people say, how was your weekend? We don't even want to, I don't want to mention I went to church because I don't know what they're going to say. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to. Well, you say, oh man, I had a great, if you had a great blessed time at church. Oh, I had a great blessed time at church. Man, we talked about how Jesus and how, how he went and helped people. He, he cured this blind man. Man, it's a great and heartwarming story. Have you heard it? But no, we're like, I'm in the workplace. I'm you know, all suited up and comfortable. I, oh, it, it, I had a pretty good Sunday. Spent time with my family. Watched some football. But Bartimaeus, unashamed of what he had to say, who he was about to follow, and he had his faith on wide display. Much like today, these, these people, these crowds, they were kind of jerks. They basically yell back at this guy, tell him to shut up and be quiet. And this might have been the first time in a while that he's been noticed when they told him to be quiet. Other than just stepping over this guy to, to go to where they needed to go, and now he's getting some attention because he's, he's causing uh, some, uh, something going on by yelling and crying out to Jesus as he comes. And so when they acknowledge him, though, they're being insensitive. They didn't care really about him. So how does Jesus respond? As our example here in verse 49, Jesus stopped and he said, call him. First of all, Jesus stopped. Imagine yourself. Put yourself in this particular event. You've got these, I don't know how many people, there's crowds around, and you got this one man crying out, Jesus, son of Nazareth, son of David, help me, have mercy on me. People are telling him to be quiet, and, but Jesus, he stops like, huh, what was that? Hey, that, that guy who's calling, hey, tell him to come over here for a minute. He stops. Brothers and sisters, what I want you to notice is how Jesus consistently gives his time to suffering individuals. He's in the midst of these crowds and he finds the least of them, and he spends his time with them. Today, we would, uh, if you're of any importance, you want to go hang out with other important people. You want your network to be built of the, these other important people. Maybe they can help you out in various situations. And not the people that are the least of these. People like to say that Christianity is not about religion, but about relationship. And this is an example by Jesus of the kind of relationship that we should aspire to. As Christians, we should avoid getting caught up in this mob mentality. Remember, as a Christian, we're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy, not to be like the crowds. We're called to be different. 
And here we have the example of what that looks like. We should avoid being wrapped up with the masses. Instead of talking past one another or blasting our views out on social media, we need to concentrate on the the one-on-one relationships. And the first and foremost of those relationships is our relationship with Jesus Christ. That ought to be our foundation. That ought to be of highest importance above and beyond any other thing that we do in our lives. And then growing out of that foundational relationship, I'm convinced that this one-on-one relationship, the most effective form of evangelism is the one-on-one relationships that we have with one another. So we start with Jesus and have the one-on-one relationship with him. The outpouring of that is our one-on-one relationships with each other. Caring for one another, loving one another, and encouraging each other. There's a saying that says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So we want to, when we talk about evangelism and, and sharing the gospel and good news, it often gets uh, confused and say, well, I need, to, I need to tell them all this information. They need to be informed about what's going on. And people, people don't care. But they're looking at what you do. You share the gospel with them, and, and then you, you go steal supplies from work. Oh, they won't miss a few of these pens and post-it notes and stuff. I'm okay. Like, well, huh? wait a minute. They're talking about, didn't it say something about not stealing in the Bible? They don't, they don't know how much you care until, they, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so by caring with them, building relationships with folks, then they, man, why do, you, why do you care about me so much? Why are you so concerned about my well-being? Why are you trying to help me with my marriage? Why are you trying to help me with my relationship with my children? Why does it matter to you? Now I have an opportunity to share the reason for the hope that lies within me. Why I can have joy in the midst of sorrow. And, and explain to, to the person that we're talking about how it is available to them as well. I remember grocery shopping at the beginning of the pandemic, or maybe you can call it scavenging, where, I mean, masks were pretty new. I mean, we're start, I think we're getting used to or have gotten used to wearing masks around, but it was early April or so and walking through the grocery store, and it, it was strange. Um, people were not only social distancing, which is good, but nobody was making eye contact. It was almost as if people thought that they could contract this virus through eye contact. It was strange to me. As a big black guy, I don't typically get a lot of eye contact anyway, but this was probably a little more than what I was accustomed to. What, it real, what I realized at the time is, is how much this personal connection mattered so much. Even just a nod, you know, you walk like, hey, what's up? You just, a wave, a, a, a wink, whatever. This, this personal connection, the acknowledgement of another human being. It, it occurred to me like, man, I, I missed that already. I hope this doesn't last long that we lose this connection as we're out in the world interacting with others. But there was nothing 
like that. As we're going through our daily lives, we should, we should do so as if it were on purpose. We, we need to be very intentional, one, about what our purpose is from God and, and being, uh, doing it purposely, living out that purpose especially with the people that we know. We should be intentional about seeing them and acknowledging them. We should be praying for people by name. We should be sharing the gospel with the people that God has surrounded us with. We should help and feed uh, and clothe those people who are in need. We should uh, disciple uh, one another and be in a discipleship relationship. There is always someone that needs our help. even if it's just to sit and listen. Read through the book of Job and how his friends came and they just spent several days just quiet and listening to him. Then they shared their advice, which it wasn't so great, but I mean, at least they tried. That's what it's calling for us to do, to, to bear one another's burdens. We should never be so busy that we can't stop and that we can't help. Again, Jesus hears the cries of the man who is hurting, and with compassion, he stops. He tells the others, call the blind man over so I can speak to him. In verse 50, the blind man, after hearing Jesus had called him over, he throws off his cloak, he sprang up, it came to Jesus. Again, if you read too fast, you'll read right over this. But there's some significance in Bartimaeus throwing off his cloak. It seems insignificant, but in this culture, someone's cloak was considered essential. It was essential for existence. Everybody had their cloak. This cloak, it was kind of a sleeveless thing that you wore over like a coat, covers your whole body, went down to your ankles. For this blind beggar, that was all he had. This was not only his coat to, to walk around from place to place, to keep him warm. At night, it was his blanket. When it was cold, when it was warmer, it was his pillow to lay down on the sleep. When he was begging, he lay it out in front of him to, uh, for anything that people would throw him so he could collect it. It was everything to him. His cloak. That's all he had. But Jesus calls him. When Jesus calls him, he throws it away. Everything I need is in whom called me. Everything I want, everything I could desire, I could find it in Jesus. Remember two weeks ago, we talked about the wealthy man who had power and prestige, and he came to Jesus and he asked, well, what can I do to get into heaven? What can I do to get into the kingdom? Jesus tells him, go sell all of your worldly goods, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. What was his response? He went away sulking. He went away distraught because his identity was in his stuff, 
in his power, in his prestige, in his bank account. And he's like, "Ah, that's who I am. You expect me to give that up? Like, (laughs) I thought you would tell me just to give a little bit more than what I'm already given. Not everything. He had a very different response. All Bartimaeus had was his cloak. And he gave that up to follow Jesus. Here's another thing that we shouldn't miss in the text. When Jesus stops and listens to him in verse 51, Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man, he said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Even though others tried to silence this beggar, as if he was an annoying nuisance, Jesus comes by, he connects with them. He, is, he hears the cry above the crowds, calls them over. He sits, he sits and listens to him. What can I do for you? What is it you're asking for? And unlike the response we, we saw from James and John, remember that when Jesus asked them, they, he asked them the same question. What is it what, that you want me to do for you? And what was their response? In Mark 10 and 37, it says, hey, uh, we don't want much. Just grant us to sit one at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. That's all. Just, just handle that. Do that. We'll be good. James and John, the disciples of Jesus who had been walking with him, learning from him, thinking about themselves and their glory. Bartimaeus could have asked for that too. Bartimaeus could ask for whatever he wants. He's just like, just let me recover my sight. James and John wanted the best seats in the house. Bartimaeus asked for this basic component, the things that most of us take for granted. What Bartimaeus, I think he was starting to understand and, and know is only by truly seeing can someone be an authentic disciple of Christ. And it's because of his faith that Jesus restores his sight but not only his physical sight, but also his spiritual sight. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. This faith, faith that that is a gift to us from God. Bartimaeus exercises them and seeing and understanding who Jesus is and goes to him and receives far more than what he asks for. And also what's encouraging to me is that if Jesus would go, if he would stop and listen to this poor beggar, this nobody, if Jesus would do it for him, surely he'll listen to a nobody standing before you named Vaughn. Surely Jesus will stop what he's doing and listen to a nobody named Victor. Listen to a nobody named Lee. Listen to a nobody named Ruth. 
surely if he would do it for Bartimaeus, he'll do it for you. Psalm 17 and 6 says, I call upon you for you will answer me. Oh God, incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Psalm 54 and 2, oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. Psalm 71 and 2, in your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Won't that be your prayer here today? That you cry out to the Lord. Because like Bartimaeus, he will hear you. Like David and the other psalmist, he will listen, he will hear and he will transform your life. That's what, exactly what he does here in verse 52. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. Now, some would misuse a scripture like this and say, well, well, see here, look, in order to get healthy, in order to have the things you need, in order to have wealth and prosperity, you need to have enough faith. It says right here, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Just have enough faith. That, brothers and sisters, is a false narrative, is a false gospel. That is indeed not what the text is teaching us, because in fact, we don't muster up the faith in our own selves. Faith in itself is a gift. It's not something that you strum up, that you can muster up and, and do more of. Give, uh, the faith is a gift from God. And we need to lean and, and rely on that faith and the giver of that faith. Jesus says, this faith has made you well. Not that it'll make you healthy, it'll make you wealthy, it'll make you good. It has made you, I see that you are trusting, you have accepted the faith that has been given to you, and you're leaning on the, the giver of it. You understand who I am and what I'm uh, capable of doing. It has made you well. So we can't misconstrue and, and misunderstand uh, what exactly is happening here. It's because of the, the reliance on the giver of this faith that has taken place. It can be, for, for any of the other messages, it could be very traumatizing it's not like Barnabas was sitting there and like, well, if I believe enough, then I can restore my own sight. That's what the, not only prosperity, but that's what the motivational speakers would tell you. What do they tell? Oh, you just believe in yourself enough and you, you do enough. You have it in you already and you just need to muster it up. You need to try harder. That is not the gospel. But the motivational speaker will tell you, pick yourself up by the bootsteps, try a little harder. And then what happens if you don't make it? Oh, I'm, I'm just still a failure. I'm not trying hard enough. It's because we're relying on ourselves instead of relying on our Father. It is through His power and it's for His glory 
that we were able to do anything, even breathe, not because of ourselves. There's nothing in ourselves. Remember when we talked about there's no, there's no one righteous, no, not one. Only God is good. As Bartimaeus goes and uh, Jesus, as uh, he says, go your way, your faith has made you well. He says, immediately recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This reminds me of Job in 42 and 5 where it says, I have uh, heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now, now my eyes see you. Man, this is what I imagine that Bartimaeus was feeling as he, uh, just a couple of moments before he heard about Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus had come, he was just hearing these things and he, he cries out. And now, now that, now that he encounters Jesus and he goes to have a conversation to, with him, and he just asks for him to recover his sight and Jesus grants it. And now he's able to see more than just visual seeing, there's a spiritual scene as well. He's able to see that this is the, the, the Messiah. This is the Christ. Man, the excitement that must have been in his bones. It reminds me of the, 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 another beggar at the, the beautiful gate. You remember that story? And he goes and he's talking, they're talking to the disciples. They come and they're like, well, I don't have anything to, to give to you. I don't have gold or, or silver. But by the name of Jesus, stand up. And walk. That man jumped up out of his seat. And for the first time in his life, he's leaping around. And man, this is this excitement that I think is missed on us. We don't get excited about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. This man, he throws off his cloak. He goes running to Jesus. He he speaks to him and he asks to, to, to receive his sight. And he gives him far more abundantly than what he asked for. Bartimaeus gets to see this for himself as he encounters God in the flesh. He calls out for mercy and he immediately gets his answer. Mark tells us that he immediately followed Jesus on the way. Jesus extends his grace and mercy. Um, Jesus says that he was healed by his faith. And again, faith is even a gift from God as well. So what about you? Church history says that Bartimaeus, not only he started following Jesus here, but followed him all the way to his passion at the cross and later became a major figure in the church of Jerusalem because of this encounter. What about you? Are you willing today to throw off your cloak, to hear his, to cry out to Jesus, understanding that you are, are helpless, that you of, of your own volition cannot pick your own self up by your bootstrap. You, you cannot try any harder. You cannot be any more of a good person. Would you cry out to Jesus? Would you call on him? Because he's calling you. Like Bartimaeus, we're 
we're all blind. We're all blind until Jesus gives us sight. Each of us is a poor beggar just trying to get by. And we can bring nothing at all to the table because Jesus, he provides to us grace and mercy and blessing. And thank God that Jesus had the time to stop for a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Thank God that Jesus had the time to stop for a self-righteous, selfish person named Vaughn. Thank God that Jesus stopped and had a time to stop for you as well. If you've not submitted yourself to Christ, if you've not cried out to him and gone to him, I would love to have that conversation with you today. What that means, what that looks like for you in your life. And, and he's gathered us here as a local body of believers so that we can walk with one another along the way. You don't have to do it by yourself. You're not in this alone. That's why God has put us together here in this local assembly. I urge you, if you're online with us, you can send us a direct message, and those come directly to me. Now, again, I would love to have that conversation with you as well, how that looks in your life and how we can walk alongside you as you understand the, the calling that God has on your life as well. Who are you going to call? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, what a, a great example that you laid out for us. How you truly put your money where your mouth is. And uh, when you have asked us to, to care for the least of these, that you give us an example how you did that very thing before us how you looked out for the oppressed and marginalized, the, the poor, the weak, how you stopped where you were uh, on a mission, on your way to, to do what God has called you to do. You still stopped in that moment to speak to and care for somebody that needed you. Father God, help us to, to know and understand that you would do the same for us Help us to be so grateful for, for that in our own lives, but not to stop there. Help us to extend that grace and love to the people that you've put us in front of. Help us to be able to stop in our busy days to, to listen to those who are in need, who wants to get things off their chest uh, or need a helping hand in one way or another. Help us to stop and listen and serve them. Father, thank you for this message this morning. Thank you for your, your love and your care for us. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.